I think it's such an interesting question and it's an interesting um, look at um, workplace wellbeing because I think at the end of the day, um, you know, everyone just wants to feel like they belong mm-hmm. uh, in the workplace. So it, I think it can have a real hidden influence on wellbeing if people feel like, you know, maybe they have come from a different country, you know, they're not really inducted well into the business, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, nutrition needs aren't considered because maybe they have different food preferences, things like that. Um, and so, you know, that sense of belonging can have a big impact, I think, on uh, well-being for a lot of people. Um, and that goes, you know, across the board, like for all different um, populations, you know, women in the workforce, men in the workforce, you know, all all um, different nationalities and, and so on and so forth. This episode is proudly brought to you by Mapper Forwards Workshop, It's Time to Become a Coffee Consultant. Learn how to diversify your revenue streams and create freedom from your day job while saying goodbye to that alarm clock forever by becoming a consultant within the coffee industry or directly to consumers who have shifted towards home brewing and home roasting. Protect your income from challenging times in the coffee value chain by taking this course today. Go to mapperforward.coffee forward slash workshops or click the link in the show notes for details. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Forward Friends. I'm your host, Leah Safar, and this is episode four of a five-part series, a very interesting discussion with dietitian Nicole Dynan. And Nicole, we are talking about workplace uh, well-being. We are talking about gut health all around the coffee industry. Um, and in this episode, we're going to talk about understanding the diversity and demographics of our people um, and how we do how we foster workplace well-being in that way. So when we talk about diversity, we're talking about gender diversity, we're talking about uh, the diversity of nationalities, diversity on a lot of different levels. What are your thoughts on how that how that comes to play in the workforce and how we can use that diversity? to foster more well-being in the workplace? Um, I think it's such an interesting question and it's an interesting um, look at um, workplace well-being because I think at the end of the day, um, you know, everyone just wants to feel like they belong mm-hmm. uh, in the workplace. So it, I think it can have a real hidden influence on well-being if people feel like, you know, maybe they have come from a different country you know, they're not really inducted well into the business, Um, you know, their, their, you know, nutrition needs aren't considered because maybe they have different food preferences, things like that. Um, And so, you know, that sense of belonging can have a big impact, I think, on uh, well-being for a lot of people. Um, And that goes, you know, across the board, like for all different um, populations, you know, women in the workforce, men in the workforce, you know, all all um, different nationalities and, and so on and so forth. Um, everyone in the workforce, I think, you know, we just need to give consideration to what people really need to feel like they belong in the first instance. Mm-hmm. And when we're doing that, I have a deep belief that focusing on, you know, how do you bring yourself back down to a place of less stress? Uh, How can you conspire to your own success so that you can be in your best form? What kind of role is 
nutrition and sleep in particular playing to help us perhaps feel like we can fit in better? I know it sounds like a stretch, but in my own practice, I found that when I am highly stressed, when I haven't slept, when I'm not eating well, I tend to react to my environment in a much more, I don't know, anxious ridden way. And when I when I find that I've taken care of that side of my own personal well-being, I'm able to fit into the workplace better. I'm I'm able to fit into relationships with my clients better. Is there um is that just something that I'm perhaps overanalyzing or is there any truth to that? No, I actually do think that's really insightful and it, it, there's, I think, a lot of truths in that because um, it's all interconnected. Like, um, you know, the way we eat affects um, the way we feel, affects the way we sleep. Um, so if we're not sleeping well, then that has an impact on our food choices the next day because mm-hmm. our hunger hormones are heightened, our satiety or fullness hormones are dampened. And so we're reaching for higher energy foods the next day. So we're not going to be probably going for the salad. You know, we're going yep. for the sugary muffin or something like that to give mm-hmm. us more energy, you know, more coffee, that kind of thing. So it is a little bit of a, a cycle. Um, and I think the great thing about nutrition is it's something that people feel they can have a little bit of control over, um, you know. So, you know, if the workplace is feeling like it's all new and a little bit out of control, they don't know what's going on or um, they've just started and finding their feet, you know, you can still have control over, um, you know, your food prep or, or what you mm-hmm. choose to eat, that sort of thing, and and try to keep that on an even keel, you know, so you're sleeping well and then you are showing up in a better way um, when you do go to work. And because our industry starts before the world wakes up, mm-hmm. um. You know, our friend Ange told me that shift work was something that you had done a lot of, um, you have a lot of focus on. And because usually um, the people who work in our industry aren't the kind of necessarily people who own cars um, and who start very early, so they're on public transport, which usually takes them longer to get to work. So they're they're waking up at around 4 o'clock. They have to be at work sometime between 5 and 6. Um uh, to have, you know, the the place ready to go, that tends to really mess with people's sleep habits. Mm, um, yeah. And when we start to mess with people's sleep habits, the relationships in the workplace can seem to be skewed against people's success. Um, mm. What are your thoughts on some of that? Yeah, I actually, uh, shift work is a big thing that we we do focus on working with a lot of uh, workplaces and, you know, emergency services, you know, hospitals, that kind of thing. So we're we're constantly trying to find ways to support those workers to, you know, fuel their bodies um, better and also get adequate sleep, mm-hmm. um, you know. So we know, you know, well, the, the research suggests a minimum of seven hours a night mm-hmm. Um and so if you've got to get up at four, like trying to work backwards um, to see what's a minimum, you know, of seven hours going to look like in terms of going to bedtime. But then that's also got to fit in with the family life right. um, or whatever else is going on. So it can impact you socially, you know, at the other end of the day. And if you've had 
a coffee late, for example, and you are sensitive to it, then that might impact your ability to get to sleep at that time. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's a really important discussion and it's really, uh, I think, an important focus for people, um, particularly in your industry, um, is to really sort of look at their nutrition and also their sleep habits and seeing how they can optimise them, um, which might not be every day, but, you know, on more occasions than not. I want to I wanna introduce the idea of if we're talking about diversity, I want to talk about different generations. So we've got Gen Z, Gen Y, mm-hmm. Gen X, boomers. Um, I think it's very interesting the way that different generations are approaching the workplace and technology and nutrition and all of that kind of stuff. And what I'm finding is that when I speak to clients, I'm a consultant in the industry, and there's a there's a very clear distinction between the way that Gen Z is coming into the workplace and what they're demanding versus what other generations have demanded. As mm-hmm. a Gen Xer, we worked very hard, we showed mm-hmm. up, right? And Gen mm-hmm. uh, Z is coming into the workplace and demanding like, what's my wellness package going to look like? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's very hard for a lot of small business owners because they don't have mm. enough money to pay your wages, let alone for an extra wellness package. But yeah. what it does highlight is that this diversity in the workplace is going to potentially create some conflict while also creating some positive change in my experience. How we navigate mm. our way to put that change where um, small business owners um, are prioritizing this kind of these kinds of demands particularly as we have such a strain on labor at the moment where it's yeah um wh- what are your thoughts around some of that i'm i'm interested to hear what you think on this yeah i think um i actually think that's fascinating as well and you know um having a team of um diverse generations myself um it is really interesting to see how how we navigate that within the business um, ourselves also. Um, But I think what it comes down to, like I think we always feel like it has to be expensive, right, Mm -hmm. to meet the needs of all of these different um, demands. But sometimes I think it can be like, um, you know, it can just be like having a pebble in your shoe. Like it's the smallest thing that can make a big difference sometimes to people's sense of satisfaction, um, and well-being at work. So it might be the fact that, you know, one day, you know, there's coffee available um, in the coffee machine and then they turn up the next day and it's run out kind of uh, like, you know, in the in the mm. tea room. Um, or it might just be that there's, you know, so it can be a little small thing like that can that can really build up and tip people over the edge or that the filter on the, on the, our water cooler needs changing. Mm. Like, you know, these little small things that really give people that sense of um, well-being or that the fruit runs out by, you know, Tuesday and yep. it's not replenished till next Monday. Um, do you know what I mean? So it can yep. just be little small things that don't necessarily have to cost a lot um, and it's just about having conversations and asking questions about what's important to people, I think, that can really, you know, uh, help just change that landscape um, for small business as well. 
And it sounds like a common theme through all of this discussion is about reducing anxiety, making sure that people are balanced in their approach to maintaining their own personal well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're talking about that, I guess, and I know that you're not a communications specialist, that's but what I, I got to wonder, what role does communication play on our gut health? Uh, communication with each other. Yeah, because if we're look, looking at workplace well-being, mm. I feel like a lot there's a lot of passive aggressiveness that exists in the workplace. There's a lot of things that go unsaid that tend to create um, people to react, people to overeat, people to be reacting in ways that are unhealthy to themselves personally and to mm. the team. Um, and, you know, as I think about it, these are also ways that we can manage the well-being of a workplace when people are over-caffeinated, when people mm-hmm. aren't communicating well, when people, it's a stressful environment in the coffee um, industry. There are next to no boundaries around anything. And the mm. way that we're communicating with each other is heightening the sense of what could potentially become a dysfunctional workplace, which then has a negative feedback loop on our own well-being, and mm. that as a repeated cycle could be a problem. And I wonder what role communication plays in the well-being, um, and in turn on our own health uh, and our gut health, because it's something that has become very clear during this conversation is that the relationship that our gut health has with us really determines how we express ourselves outside of us and inside of us. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think what you're saying, um, there's probably somebody who's done a study on that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but we certainly know, like when we when we look at areas of the world of populations where people live the longest, like the blue zones, you've probably heard of those. Yeah. Um, that what what we know that they all have in common is really great relationships, you know, good communication, connection um, wow. with other people. And so um, I think, you know, what you're saying has a lot of merit and it probably does all come back to gut health and, you know, supporting, you know, healthy microbiome makes us um, feel better, generally speaking, you know, probably have a brighter outlook because it impacts our mental health. Um, and our mood. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really, um, it's a responsibility of not just the individual, but I think it's a responsibility of people uh, running these businesses of organizations to, uh, you know, take take it on board as well and mm. open those communication pathways and start start speaking and asking more questions, even if it is through surveys and things like that initially. I to wrap up this episode, I heard something on Instagram. God bless, because it must be, it must be true because it was on it Instagram. Must be, <laughs> must be. Um, there was a nutritionist. I follow a lot of nutritionists on on social media, and one of them was saying that eating with other people naturally mm. reduces. Uh, well, it reduces your cortisol and helps your food become more easily digestible. Is that is there any merit to that? 
Well, I, I think it would definitely reduce cortisol, as, uh, like assuming that it is good conversation and not an right. argument over dinner. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, we I, I think we're just, we're also very social creatures naturally. So I think being around people, it's the beauty of making sure workplaces have somewhere where people can sit, you know, and meet to have, have their break time and, and that kind of thing. Like it's really important that that sort of thing to be able to, uh, you know, foster those relationships and those connections and well-being across the board. So to wrap up this series, you set us up perfectly because we're going to talk about community, coffee as a community builder. And uh, I have so many opinions on this. (laughs) So I can't wait to have this conversation. So join us in the next episode, folks, where we do talk about the the role that coffee plays in building community, and I want to talk about it from an industry level as well as in the general population. Peace, love, and peanut butter. Have an amazing rest of your day. I really hope you enjoyed this episode, friends. Please don't forget to show us some love by subscribing, liking, commenting, and most of all, sharing this podcast with your friends. Check the show notes for links, including our sponsors and our Patreon, and stay tuned for more great conversations on the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Forward.